Hello, welcome back to another Ellie's Content Podcast. I'm your host, Ellie, and this past week has been so insane, but in a good way. So with the recently eased restrictions, we've been able to do so much more, and it has been so fun. And uh, last night, I actually went out to dinner with my family. Um, And at first, it just didn't feel right because we, you know, we hadn't done it, like, been able to do that in so long um but it was awesome and the restaurant wasn't too busy either so I didn't feel uncomfortable uncomfortable at all throughout the evening um and it was great um but yeah so today has just been so insane and it feels like I'm a little bit under pressure and I have a few things that I need to do but I'm just going to take it one thing at a time and I just got back from a run before and it was so nice today's weather was awesome and I can't wait for more days like this to come and I definitely love the warmer weather and the sun um, but just always make sure that you're being sun smart and wearing your hat and you have sunscreen on and remember that it's not always the sun that gets you burnt it's the UV index so even on a cloudy day make sure that you have your sunscreen uh, on and that you are being sun smart so with today's topic will a new iPhone make us happier I wanted to talk about materialism minimalism and why people always crave the newest products. So materialism has a terrible reputation. So people who prioritize things are thought to be fundamentally selfish according to popular belief. The stereotype is is of excessively materialistic people who live in a different universe where money, belongings and status are essential. So is this stereotype however accurate? According to investigation, there are two sides of this story. Highly materialistic people believe that having and purchasing things is a vital step toward achieving important life goals like happiness, success, and even attractiveness. However, in their desire to acquire more property, they frequently neglect uh, to pursue other essential objectives. According to research, extremely materialistic people are less concerned with the environment and other people than non-materialists. These findings led to the conclusion that people who are highly materialistic are primarily selfish and prefer to form meaningful relationships with things rather than people. Other research, on the other hand, suggests that materialism is a natural aspect of being human and that people develop materialistic tendencies as an adaptive response to conditions that make them feel nervous and insecure, such as a strained family relationship or our innate fear of death. Materialism is not limited to those who are very materialistic. Even referring to individuals as consumers rather than citizens can trigger a materialistic mindset for a short period of time. As James Burrows and Arik Renfleisch, materialist researchers, put it, telling people to be less materialistic is like telling people they shouldn't enjoy sex or eat fatty foods. People can learn to control their impulses, but this does not remove their underlying desires. A study that I read uh, looked at how materialism is seen throughout cultures and I found that uh, it encompasses more than just self-gratification. Materialism is a big aspect of the collectivistic culture of Asia, um, where the emphasis is on relationships with others, in particular the group that a person belongs to. In East Asia, gift-giving traditions, purchasing aspirational brands of goods and services is a typical method. Purchasing items that reflect the identity and style of people you hold in high respect might help you conform the societal standards, giving you a sense of belonging in collectivistic uh, cultures. 
these tendencies are not limited to just the Asian cultures. Uh, it's just in the West, ma uh, materialism is more commonly perceived as a threat to community values uh, than as a complement to them. Materialists were discovered to be meaning seekers rather than just status seekers. They believe um, that in terms of brands and price tags, that they have a symbolic and signaling abilities. These cues are used by the materialists who also believe in community values to project a positive image of themselves and people they care about to meet the social expectations, indicate belonging, and even to fulfill their perceived social responsibilities. People regularly flaunt their green and eco-friendly purchases like Tesla cars in public to demonstrate philanthropy and social concern, for example. So what are my opinions on uh, minimalism? So I actually watched a documentary on Netflix and it was awesome. Uh, it was directed by Matt Darvella and it's called Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. This documentary has opened what feels like a whole new realm for me. I personally really love the idea of minimalism and being uh, minimalistic. Um, but what is it about minimalism that I like so much? So do you ever notice that, you know, when a new phone is released or a new product is released, people go insane for that new phone or that new product and there's queues for ages and people will spend so much money on that product. It's just insane. People like the newer products and um, often it's again because of their social status. They want to be viewed as wealthy and better than everyone. And what better way to do that than to be up to date uh, with everything and keeping up with the trend. But with minimalism, they don't really care about that social status being viewed as wealthy um, just because they have something in particular. They, The minimalistic mindset is where people... Um, value their belongings you know they get the the most use out of it you know like um what's his name I can't think of his name but Matt Matt Darvella for example he is a minimalist and he has like three of the exact same gray shirt and black jeans and that's all he wears and quite a few people do this because you know it reduces the amount of decision making that you have to make when you first wake up um and you aren't, you know, wasting your time looking at, you know, what should I wear for, for today? I'm actually just Googling now uh, how long it takes for us to normally decide, the non-minimalist person to decide what to wear in the morning. And here it says, according to uh, the study master experts, average women spend 16 minutes every weekday morning deciding what to wear in around 14 minutes on a Saturday or Sunday morning. And that's from um, a closed case, a closed case uh, from the Dirt Company. Um, and just think about that. That's 16 minutes every weekday morning. 16 minutes you could be doing anything else, you know, reading a book, um, taking that, taking a short walk before work. But no, like you're deciding what to wear. And that's... Like, what I like about minimalism, you aren't wasting your time. You are, you know, you've got that same shirt, the same color shirt and the same pants that you just wear every day. You automatically put it on. You don't have to think about it. And then you can, like I said, you can go for that walk or take that little bit longer to have a slow morning or sleep in that extra 16 minutes if you really want. But, um, yeah, I think 
I think it's really a really good way to live. I, I like minimalism. Minimalism is how I remove distractions in my life so that I can focus on the things that really matter. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by the prospect of doing more of the things that are important to you, your calendar is overbooked or your physically uh, your physical space is cluttered with goods that don't serve you or your family, um, minimalism can really help. So you'll have more room to take bolder risks, try new things and just spend a little bit more time with the people that you care about. Minimalism can help you make a dramatic lifestyle shift and you know, such as relocating to a new place, changing occupations, or pursuing entrepreneurship uh, over time. Minimalism is a design or style in which the fewest and most basic elements are used to get the greatest effect. Minimalism being in the arts uh, with artwork that featured simple lines, a limited palette of colours, uh, and precise placements of those lines and colours. Most recently, it has evolved to symbolise a way of life. Uh, that tries to eliminate clutter from an aspect of one's existence. Minimalism is all about keeping only what gives worth and significance to your lives uh, and the lives of those that you care about and getting rid of anything else. It's about clearing out the clutter and focusing your time and energy on what's left. In our lives, we have a certain uh, quantity of energy, time and space. We must be intentional about how we live each day in order to make the most of it. Here is a quote that I really like. It is, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And it's by uh, Annie Dillard. And I think that minimalism can take various forms, but it's essentially just a technique for helping you to prioritize what is important in your life. And here's another quote, uh, minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things that bring you joy and the eradication of those that do not. And that is from Joshua Becker of Becoming a Minimalist. Simple living, tiny living, purposeful living and a variety of other terms are all used to describe the concept of curating our possessions to best reflect our values and visions for our life. And don't be intimidated by the idea of minimalism or if you've seen certain photographs and thought to yourself, that's a wonderful uh, wonderful idea, I'd, but I'd never, you know, want to live like that. Whether you live in a modest cottage, uh, a suburban home or a palace, you can benefit from minimalism in your life. You can use minimalism as a guiding philosophy and tailor it to your specific needs. But there are common minimalism misconceptions and there aren't any genuine laws to minimalism, contrary to popular belief. There is no official minimalist board to verify uh, if you are, you know, doing it correctly. Everyone's interpretation of minimalism is unique and it is different. You know, you don't need to own a certain amount of products to be classified as a minimalist. You don't have to get rid of your favourite collection, whether it's books, shoes, or music you can still have that good stuff everyone in reality should be a minimalist in my own opinion you know is it's it's just ridiculous not to be in my opinion you know who wouldn't want to be surrounded by all that matters while being free of the things that drag us down when you think about it it makes a lot of sense why is minimalism a good tool for living a purposeful life in the end minimalism is less about having less possessions 
uh, and more about deliberately deciding what matters to you. We live in a world that places a false value on having more possessions and having less time to use them. The never-ending quest for greater and better is a never-ending cycle. There will always be a better automobile, a bigger boat, a bigger house, or a quicker private aircraft to purchase. Did you know there's actually a website dedicated to shopping for billionaires? (laughs) Yeah, it never ends. It may appear to be an impossible task at first, but as you disentangle the life you've constructed around acquiring more stuff, you'll notice that the stress fades and the world begins to slow down. Your decision will be um, begin to develop a muscle that will radically alter the way that you live your life. And now, how do you begin a minimalist, a minimalist lifestyle? So find one object and get rid of it from your house. You can do a lot of reading and watch a lot of videos about minimalism. And again, I recommend that Netflix documentary that I watched. Um, and you can conduct as much research as you want. But the easiest way to get started is to discover one thing that you don't need and just get rid of it. You get a taste of what it's like to start decluttering your home and get over the fear of not knowing where to begin. The greatest approach to getting started on something, it feels like a significant change. It, It just has to start small. And stop bringing new items in. The next stage is to halt the inflow of new items that will, you know, you don't genuinely need. Take steps to keep yourself from purchasing new items that will continue to clutter your home, whether that means logging out of Amazon or just not going to the mall or even not um, online shopping, only do in-store shopping. Make a list of guiding questions to help you figure out uh, what types of things offer value to your life and what things don't. Be wary of uh, the false first step, which involves purchasing something for the idolized version of yourself rather than performing a minimally viable action uh, with which you already have. And another is look for a decluttering technique to try. The easiest approach to get started is to pick a decluttering method that works for you and then start working on strengthening your decision-making muscle. It is crucial to keep in mind that substantial changes rarely occur overnight. Slowly but steadily, the space in your home will begin to open up uh, around you. Surfaces will start to clear and closets will no longer be crammed. You'll soon have more time and energy to devote to the things that are important to you. And some people actually don't like the idea of minimalism. Like some people don't like um, being materialistic. But in the end, I think it's better to be minimalistic because if you aren't spending, you know, additional money on goods and services that you don't need... You're able to save that money, um, for, you know, in case of an emergency or or to make more memories with those that you love and, you know, go on a family holiday or, or something like that to make memories that are, are meaningful and spend your money in a meaningful way rather than just wasting it on something that you'll only use once, maybe twice, or spend it on clothes that you know you're going to grow out of or only wear to one occasion. 
And back to the thing to do with, you know, your collection of whether it be books, um, coins or anything like that, you know, shoes. Again, you can still have that. Like I have my own little book collection and I love it. I love my books. I love, I personally like um, non-fiction, so not fake. It's the real stuff and I find that can be really educational and I love to read non-fiction during the day and then I read fiction at night just to be able to wind down and I feel that my brain doesn't have to work as hard. It can kind of imagine uh, what I'm reading and it helps me to get into a sleepy state and you know then I can sometimes dream about what I was thinking about as I was reading and I think it's really cool. I, I would recommend it but everyone's different each to their own but I find that's uh, what works best for me but yeah so I have my own little mini book collection and I love it and I'm not going to get rid of it I'm you know minimalism is not to live it's just to live with more meaning in your life so as I said just before you do not have to get rid of the things that you love if you love your shoes, don't get rid of your shoes. And especially since you um, spent good money on those shoes, you know, they bring you joy. They bring you happiness um, to life. And that's what you want. You want your life to feel, be more meaningful and be more happier. And that's why I really like minimalism again, because it shows that in life, I just feel like when you are being more minimalistic you're able to feel a lot more grateful about the things that you own because think about it there's so many poorer countries that cannot afford anything remotely closer to some of the things that you own or the amount of things that you own so it just makes you realize how truly grateful you should be for having the ability to access clean water or buying really good quality sheets that you love the color of or again books or shoes some countries cannot or families cannot afford books let alone expensive really nice good quality shoes and so I really like being more grateful about my life and at mealtime as well what I really like to do is because we are our generation and future generations to come and just people nowadays in general we are so heavily reliant on technology and technology is a part of everyone's life pretty much um, all day every day. And so what I really like to do is during my meal times, especially and in my mornings, and I try and implement it as best as I can at night to not go on my phone, laptop, iPad, nothing. It's just me in the present moment having my meal and being grateful that, you know, I'm able to eat this, these healthy meals or the food safe meals that I know are nutritious and good for me because again not everyone has the ability to access that and being in the present moment I find has helped me reduce so much anxiety because I'm not there thinking of the present uh, the future or the past I'm 
in the present, I'm in the now, and I really like that. And I don't like the idea of just, you know, when you're on your phone, time flies. You get so distracted and it just feels like I'm wasting my life in a way, which is depressing, but it's true. When you're on your phone, you get so distracted and you could be doing so much more, you know, whether it be studying or working on a little project that you've been wanting to doing or um, spend time with your family, you know, or friends. You are probably in your room chilling on your phone for hours and you don't even realize it because you're getting so distracted. So I recommend that right now, as you are listening to this, go to your settings and check your screen time for the past day and seven days and just really think about it and think about and it's going to be confronting I bet it's going to be very confronting uh, when you look at it because people just don't realize how much time we truly spend on our phone and it's the other day I looked and I'd also been doing a little bit of my schoolwork on my phone Um, but that's still no excuse. I was still on my phone and I ended up being on my phone for five hours that day, five hours, just being on my phone. And to think that, you know, we're awake for approximately 12 hours a day, but again, everyone's different. Um, but I try and be awake for 12 hours each day or, uh, 12 hours to 15 hours. But anyway, let's say 12 hours. And I was on my phone for five hours. And so seven hours that day, that of that waking day, was I not on my phone. And I think just, wow, only seven hours was I doing. I, I could have even been on my laptop or on my iPad because, you know, it was only giving me the data from my phone specifically. And so I think... That was when I when I looked at that, I was just like, wow, I got a little bit kind of depressed, if you will, only for for a slight moment. I just got really disappointed in myself because five hours is a lot of time. The thing we're at school for, you know, about six hours that I was on my phone for majority of what a normal school day would be, which is just insane. So, again, I recommend if you haven't already to do it yourself you know look at your screen time and see how you can improve it actually got me thinking I remember hold on let me get it up I remember I was on YouTube this one time and I came across a video pop up in my uh recommended and I think it was called can we change humanity I think yeah oh it's can we auto correct humanity and it's by prince ea and i highly 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 recommend it and it's kind of how he it's a uh it's poetry and it's a very short it's three minutes and 28 seconds and it's just his description is why i refuse to let technology control me uh you do not need you need not distract it you need not drastically min- minimize your time on social media and com- commit to spending um and it just goes on but it's it's really 
eye-opening, I think, and I really recommend it. Again, it is Can We Order Correct Humanity by Prince EA, and it is on YouTube, and it goes for 3 minutes and 28 seconds. And I've watched it a few times, and I've kind of memorized some of it because I've just found it so eye-opening, and once you watch it, it's it'll change a, a lot of how you view um, certain things, especially just time that you spend on your phone. And like as much as we are moving forward, you know, technology is a part of everyone's life and it will be forever now, I think, um, because it it does have so many benefits. Technolo- having technology has so many benefits and especially in the medical field, it is so great but in regard to you know the technology such as our phones our ipads and our laptops it's it's great but it's not when you don't have self-control i think because that's when you start to spend you know so many hours staying on youtube or just flicking through Instagram, scrolling through Facebook, on TikTok, and as great as TikTok is, I mean, I don't have it. I used to for a little bit, but then I deleted it because it was wasting my time. It was consuming so much of my time and, and I hated it, but it was such an addictive app. And TikTok isn't it's not just TikTok that is an addictive app, you know, Instagram, Facebook, especially Snapchat is such an addictive app. And I personally, I have Snapchat because that's how I communicate with a lot of my friends. And I personally hate it. I hate Snapchat with a passion. And at one point I actually did delete it and I just messaged my friends um, just by, you know, the messages on your phone and then I downloaded Snapchat again and I really want to delete it again. But I feel, again, like relating to my last week's podcast, I feel that I'm afraid of what my friends are going to think of if I delete Snapchat. And why? Like, why am I afraid of this? That, it's just, I feel that they, because they like Snapchat a lot. They like using Snapchat. That's, it's one of the... Um, social media platforms that they use the most and I feel like I'm afraid that they won't talk to me as often but I personally prefer the face-to-face communication or face-to-face anything I feel like it's just so much more meaningful and and memorable to if you were to you know just do it over text or something even by call I prefer calling over messaging And because you can hear the person's voice, you can hear their tone of voice. Whereas on a message, you know, you're just reading words. And I just, I really want to delete Snapchat, but I'm going to delete Snapchat. I'm going to, that's, that's my goal. It's, I could delete it right now, but again, I'm still a little bit nervous deep down in my heart of, you know, are my friends still going to message me or communicate with me? It's silly, I know, but... That's, it's a matter of putting yourself first and doing what's right for you and doing the things in your own interest. And like, for example, I want to delete Snapchat. That is 
It is out of my own interest. And I, I will do it because I want to do it for myself. When I had deleted Snapchat, it was for a few, like, solid weeks. It was, it was great. I have never been happier because I find it so hard. I can, I'm fine with every other social media platform I'm, I'm really great at. Um, only using like, you know, five minutes to quickly, um, put a post up for my podcast or my YouTube or something like that. But with Snapchat, because my, I have like quite a few of my friends message me on Snapchat. So sometimes I'm literally even sitting there waiting for them to reply to me. And I'm just like, I'm refreshing the page and it says, you know, delivered three minutes ago. That is three minutes of my life I've wasted sitting down waiting for my friend to reply even though they could you know be doing something and be gone for an hour I will be there like I'll be like oh I'll just go into the snapchat stories and and wait for their reply and I'm literally wasting my life waiting for a reply and I just find it hard to get off the app and I don't know why and I I think that I I'm a quite disciplined person I have a lot of self-discipline and but just with Snapchat, it's such an addictive app, um, I find. And so I find it so hard to just get off it and get myself motivated to do something. I'd rather just sit there and wait for my friend to reply, which is kind of sad. And it's kind of sad. I haven't said it to anyone or said it out loud. But now that I have, I've actually realized like it's, hmm, it's been a little bit eye-opening if I do say so myself but uh yeah so I am going to end this podcast here and I do want to finish with a quote and today's quote is happiness is never found in the materialistic things it exists in the things that cannot be physically possessed therefore happiness is priceless it can never be purchased and I found that this uh, quote was really eye-opening because it is true a lot of us um believe that purchasing new items make us happier but it doesn't it only brings us a bit of temporary like a, a temporary dopamine rush if you will and it doesn't last very long have you ever heard of the term retail therapy i'm sure that you have um, a large number of people use shopping as a coping mechanism to suppress their current life stresses and worries for, you know they get that dopamine rush when they shop and they think that shopping will help them feel better and solve their problems. But again, it doesn't. If anything, I think it would make matters a little bit worse. But, you know, you're spending more money, uh, which some people stress over. You know, some people stress over um, spending their money. And, and not everyone has endless amounts of money that they can can spend for a temporary uh, dopamine rush. But anyway, please, if you enjoyed today's podcast... Um, share it with your friends and family and please leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And don't forget, if you get the chance, go check out my website at Ali's Content and my YouTube at Alison Kincaid. And that's all for now. See you later.